0: Thank you, Jeff, so much. I am so grateful. Uh, I know I say this all the time, but uh, just so grateful for our worship ministry and folks who who play our, our instruments here and uh, lead us in worship for our choir and Kevin and just everyone who's a part of our worship ministry, the folks who run the sound and the PowerPoints and all the things that that help make our worship the special time that, I, that it is. Thank you for, for what you do. I appreciate it so very, very much. Heard a story. It's about Satan. He decided he was going to hold a going out of business sale. He'd gotten tired of struggling with the people of God and he decided he was going to hang up his pitchfork. Now, we know that's not going to happen. <laughs> The side of eternity. I wish it would. But anyway, that's how the story goes. So Satan was going to have this going out of business sale. And among the items that he had on sale were some of the fiery darts that we read about in Ephesians chapter 6. He had some of the disguises that he used that according to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 enabled him to appear as as an angel of light, there was a book he had written, signed, autographed, entitled How to Lie and Make People Believe You, and all kinds of other paraphernalia and tricks of the trade. But over to one side, on a table, resting on a red velvet pillow, was a silver wedge. And everybody wanted to know what the devil used that silver wedge for. And a diabolical grin came over the devil's face and he said, "Uh, uh, that's my most valuable tool. That is the wedge of discouragement. I can take that wedge And I can drive it into the heart of the most useful servant of God. And I can completely destroy his usefulness. Now church, obviously that is a fictional story, but behind it there is a great truth. I suspect that one of Satan's most effective tools is the wedge of discouragement. If Satan can just discourage you, if he can make you want to quit, if he can make you just not care anymore, has anybody ever been to that point where you just say, you know, I I just don't care anymore. If Satan can get you to that place, my friend, he can control so many areas of your life. Watch out, church, for discouragement, because if Satan can discourage you, he can lead you down a road to spiritual disaster, and that's our lesson this week from the life of Elijah. We find it in 1 Kings chapter 19. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and Turn to that text with me. Let me give you some background here and kind of go back and remind ourselves of where we have been to this point, because to this point, we have seen Elijah do some amazing things, we saw his boldness in King Ahab's palace in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, where he burst into the palace of the king and he said, King, because of your wickedness and the wickedness of this nation, there will be neither dew nor rain in the land except at my word. What boldness he had. Then we saw the blessing at the Careth Ravine, where in this time of great drought and famine, God sent the ravens to provide Elijah with bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he was drinking from the brook. And then there was the miracle at Zarephath, two miracles really, where the jar of flour and the jug of oil never ran dry, and where Elijah raised the dead son of that widow of Zarephath. And then for the past Several weeks, you remember, we've been on Mount Carmel where Elijah saw this tremendous victory over the prophets of Baal. We saw him stand there with great confidence and courage and conviction. And he said, God, show them who you are. And he called down fire from heaven and he destroyed the prophets of Baal. And he proved that the Lord was God. And then after that tremendous display of power, there was that dynamic that we saw where God came to Elijah and said, Elijah, take your cloak, tuck it into your belt, and go for a jog. And Elijah ran 25 miles, a marathon from Mount Carmel down to Jezreel, and he outran Ahab who had left ahead of him and who was riding in a fast chariot. Let me tell you something, church. That's a man who's on top of the world. That's a man who's ready for anything, right? (laughs) He's not afraid of anything or anybody. But here's the reality. The Apostle James, when reflecting on the life of Elijah, chapter 5, verse 17, said this, and the verse is there for you. Elijah was a man with human frailties, just like all of us. You see, when we read about Elijah to this point, we want to say, wow, that, that's a super prophet. That's a, that's a superman. I wish I could be like Elijah. But the Bible says Elijah was just like us up one day, down the next. A guy like you and me, subject to the same human emotions and weaknesses and frailties. And as we're going to see today, Elijah fought a hard battle with discouragement. So as we continue to look at this reality, there's some verses there from 1 Kings chapter 19 beginning with verse 1. Let's read them together. This is immediately after Mount Carmel. This is immediately after the victory over the prophets of Baal. It says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah saying... May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Now watch this next sentence. So Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and left his servant there. (laughs) Run Why'd you run? Here is the man who had just killed 850 prophets of Baal. He had just prayed and called down fire from heaven. He had just outrun a horse from Mount Carmel to Jezreel on top of the world. But lo and behold, one little old lady, one woman, Jezebel, the queen, shakes this man up so bad that he runs again, this time 140 miles from Jezreel down to Beersheba. The man was scared, afraid for his life. What in the world happened? Discouragement. So this morning, I want us to take a look at what happened and see if we can get a handle on some of the causes of discouragement in the lives of God's people. Because church, i got to tell you, if Elijah could be affected this way by discouragement, then so can you be affected. And so can I. So I want to share with you about four different causes of discouragement in the lives of God's people that come directly from the life of Elijah. Here's the first. Discouragement comes when I forget what God did yesterday because I am overwhelmed by my circumstances today. Discouragement comes when I forget what God did yesterday because I am overwhelmed by my circumstances today. Now we just read, after the events of 1 Kings chapter 18, Mount Carmel, King Ahab goes back home. He goes straight to his wife Jezebel, and he says, Girl, let me tell you what Elijah's done. <laughs> let, I mean, you're not going to believe what he's done to your prophets. That Elijah something. He has killed all your prophets. I mean, the man just outdid you. So Jezebel says, huh, I'll fix him. And she sends out this threatening message that basically says, Elijah, you're a dead man. If I don't do to you what you did to my prophets, then may the gods kill me. So Jezebel was serious about this thing. Elijah got the message. And he said, I got to get out of here. And so he runs south into Judah, deep into Judah. 140 miles, he leaves his servant there, perhaps at some kind of diversion, I, I, I don't really know. And then according to verse four, if you look at it, he goes another day's journey, perhaps 15 miles into the desert. And it says he finally came to a large bush and he sat down in its shade and he begged the Lord, I've had enough, just let me die. I'm no better off. Than my ancestors. Elijah says, Lord, I've had enough. You ever, you ever, have you ever said that? You ever said that? God, I've, I've, I've just had enough. I can't take this anymore. He even says, Lord, just let me die. Here is a man who is so discouraged that he doesn't even want to live anymore. <laughs> but again, this is the guy who's just come off Mount Carmel. He had just seen all of the prophets of Baal destroyed. He had seen the power of God in an amazing way, and yet this woman, Jezebel, was able to threaten Elijah using the name of the God he had just defeated. In the pressure of the moment, in the pressure of today, Elijah had forgotten what God did yesterday. Listen, church, one of the reasons why we become discouraged in life, one of the reasons why sometimes we want to quit, we want to give up, we want to back out, is because we think that the God who took us through yesterday somehow hadn't hung around for today. That somehow what we've seen God do in the past has no bearing on the struggle we're going through in the present. I want you to hear me this morning, church. I want to say something to you. If you're going to be able to overcome discouragement, if you're going to be able to overcome the circumstances facing you today, you cannot leave God on Mount Carmel. You've got to bring him down to Jezreel. When all you can say is, you know, I remember when. And a lot of us do that, by the way. We talk about all the things God did yesterday and how good God was yesterday. But unless the God of yesterday, the God of Mount Carmel, is also the God of your Jezreel, unless you're taking him with you as a way of life so that he is part of your today then your circumstances are going to overwhelm you and discouragement is going to get the best of you every single time. So let me ask you a question. Do you remember what God did for you yesterday? He brought you through yesterday, didn't He? Remember last week when you didn't think you were going to make it? You're here. Remember that trial last month that you didn't think you'd ever get through? You got through it. Didn't you? Remember that difficulty, that problem, that crisis, that situation that threatened to completely overwhelm you? Maybe it's still there. (laughs) But so are you. And if God got you through Yesterday, my friend, did he die since then? Is he no longer on his throne? Has he somehow lost his power? No. Philippians chapter four, verse 19. Paul says, I am convinced and I am confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, that is, the time of his return. God hasn't checked out on you. He hasn't finished his work in your life. He hasn't turned his back on you. This is something Paul says you can be confident of, that what God began in your life, he's going to bring to completion. So listen, my discouraged brother. Listen, my discouraged sister. God has not left you. He has not forsaken you. The same God who walked with you yesterday is still walking with you today. The God you saw on Mount Carmel is the same God who lives in Jezreel. Don't forget what God did yesterday. It will keep you from discouragement today. Discouragement comes, church, when I forget what God did yesterday because I am overwhelmed by my circumstances today. Don't don't let that happen. Second lesson, discouragement comes when I stop believing in the faithfulness of God to provide for, empower, and direct my life in the tough times. Discouragement comes when I forget what God, when I stop believing in the faithfulness of God to provide for, empower, and direct my life. In the tough times. Hey, listen, in the good times, it's easy to talk about God's faithfulness. When we're on Mount Carmel, when heaven's smiling down on us, when our enemies are running away from us, when we're full of spiritual vim, vigor, and vitality, hey, it's easy to talk about how good God is, how faithful God is. But when everything goes south, does God? Is he any less faithful? No, Elijah had to learn this lesson and so do we. Even in the tough times, even in the hard times, even in the times of discouragement, God is still faithful. And because God is faithful, there are three things you can count on this morning. You can count, I don't care what you're going through, you can count on these three things. Here they are, number one, because God is faithful, he will still meet my Needs. Did you know that? Even in the worst of circumstances, because God is faithful, He will still meet my needs and your needs. Look with me at verses 5 and 6 of 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, Elijah's run 140 miles. He's tired. He's exhausted, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. He's weary from the journey. He's discouraged by his circumstances. And look what this says, beginning with verse 5. Then Elijah lay down. Under the bush, and he fell asleep. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank, and then he lay down again. Do you see what God is doing here? He is taking care of his man. In the midst of discouragement, God is meeting the basic needs of Elijah's life. God knew Elijah was tired. God knew he was hungry. God knew he was discouraged. And so God came to where Elijah was and he gave him exactly what he needed. And he will do that for you, my friend. He's always done it before, hasn't he? Hasn't he been faithful always to provide for your needs? He's always done it before, and let me tell you this morning, he knows what you need, and he has promised to meet those needs, whatever they are, Philippians 4.19, and with all of his abundant wealth through Christ Jesus, my God will supply all your needs. That's his promise to you this morning, and he is faithful to his word. So because God is faithful... He will still meet my needs no matter what I'm going through. He will still meet your needs no matter what you're going through. Number two, because God is faithful, he will still give me strength for the journey. Because God is faithful, he will still give me strength for the journey. Let me tell you, when you're discouraged, many times you're wondering whether or not you're going to be able to keep going. When you're discouraged, you begin to wonder, God, how can I possibly make it through another day? That's how Elijah felt. He'd already come 140 miles. (laughs) He still had a long way to go. And God knew he couldn't make it in his own strength. So once again, verses 7 and 8, look at this. God sends his angel, and he came back a second time. He touched Elijah and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, don't miss this. It says, strengthened by that food. What food? The food that God provided on the strength of what God gave to Elijah. He traveled another 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I don't know about you. But I can't travel 40 days and 40 nights on one meal. (laughs) And neither could Elijah. See, this is supernatural strength. This isn't Elijah's strength. This is God's strength given to Elijah. Strength for the journey. This is the strength we read about last week in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. But those who wait on Yahweh's grace Will experience divine strength. They will rise up on soaring wings and fly like eagles. They will run their race without growing weary. They will walk through life without giving up. Listen to me, church, because God is faithful. He will still give you strength for the journey when you don't have the strength of your own, even when you're discouraged. It's His promise. And he is faithful to his word. Third thing. Third thing you can count on. Because God is faithful, he will still give me his word. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm discouraged, and I have been discouraged, when I have been discouraged, there is nothing I need more than a sure and certain word from the Lord, something I can hold on to and say, even in the midst of my struggle, God is speaking to me. That's what Elijah needed. So after he arrived at Mount Horeb, after 40 days and 40 nights of travel, he needed to hear a word from God, and he did. Look at verse 9. There Elijah came to a cave, and he lodged in it, and behold, behold, Watch this. The word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Listen, when you're discouraged, God still has a word for you if you will seek that word. God has a word for you that will sustain you, that will give you hope and direction and encouragement, a word that will strengthen you, a word that will let you know God is still with you. He is in the midst of that struggle. The psalmist put it this way in Psalm 119, 105. By your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. My friend, when you're traveling a dark path, you need a word from the Lord. And because he is faithful, he will still be give you His Word. He will still speak into your life. We serve a God who is faithful. So He will still meet my needs. He will still give me strength for the journey. He will still give me His Word no matter how tough life becomes. Third lesson, discouragement comes when I fail to sense God in the quietness because I am looking for the spectacular or the miraculous. Discouragement comes when I fail to see God at work in the quietness because I am looking for the miraculous. Now, there's something very important here you and I need to understand about the way God works in times of discouragement. You see, sometimes when we're discouraged, we want to see God do something spectacular, right? We want to see God do something unbelievable, something awesomely supernatural. I mean, we just want to see Him bust through in some kind of amazing way in the midst of our discouragement. Be careful, church, in wanting to see the spectacular and the miraculous and the supernatural. God can reveal himself in that way, and and sometimes he does. But that's more the exception than the rule. And that's what we see in Elijah's story. So here's Elijah. He's discouraged. He's gone to the mountain of God. That's where God told him to go. He's waiting on God to do something. He's waiting on God to show him something. Look with me at verses 11 through 13. Now watch this. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out, and he stood at the entrance of the cave. Now here's Elijah. On the mountainside, waiting for God to do something, we read that the Lord passes by, and what happens? Well, there's this great and powerful wind that sweeps in, so powerful that it literally tears the mountains apart, it shatters the rocks, and I bet Elijah was thinking, wow, that must be the Lord. But what does Scripture say? The Lord wasn't in the wind. Then we read that after the wind, there was this earthquake. Now, I mean, that's got to be God talking, right? Everything moving, everything shaking. God's got to be doing something here. But again, what does it say? The Lord was not in the earthquake. And then we see that after the earthquake, there was a fire. Now, I know that's got to be God. Remember Mount Carmel, fire from heaven. God's doing it again. But again... The Lord was not in the fire. So where are you, Lord? (laughs) You told me to come to your mountain. You told me that you're going to do something. Show me something. But you weren't in the wind. You weren't in the earthquake. You weren't in the fire. I can't see you, Lord. What's going on? Ah. But after the fire, there was the sound of a low whisper. A low whisper. And Scripture says when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave because he knew God was there. Listen, church, when we're discouraged... I understand this. We want to we feel the mountain shake. We want to see the rock shatter. We want to experience the spectacular, the miracle, another Mount Carmel with fire coming down from heaven. We don't want to sit down and just hear that low, gentle whisper of the Lord as he speaks to us in the quietness of our own spirits. You see, church, God moves far more. He works far more. He reveals himself far more. He speaks far more in the quietness than he does in the miraculous. Some of us are looking for the wrong things when we're looking for the Lord. And I got to tell you this morning, unless your heart is tuned to listen for that low and gentle whisper, you're going to miss him. You're going to miss him. Hey, the miracles are great. (laughs) Nothing wrong with the miracle. But if you don't learn to sense the presence of the Lord in the quietness of your own daily walk with him, you will never overcome discouragement. Discouragement comes when I fail to sense God at work in the quietness because I'm looking for the miraculous, the spectacular. Finally, oh, and this one's so important. Discouragement comes when I forget that the mission is still the mission. Discouragement comes when I forget that the mission is still the mission. You know, you know what brings discouragement a lot of times? Change. Change brings discouragement. Change in health, change in finances, change in relationships. We get discouraged many times when our plans change, our hopes change, our dreams change, our expectations change, the direction of our lives suddenly changes. A lot of things can change in life. But church, God's great purposes never change. His mission never changes. And that includes his mission for your life, his mission for this church, his mission for the future. And one of the great encouragements that God has given us is the knowledge that he is still carrying out his purposes and that he still has a task for us to carry out no matter what we're going through. And one of the ways God encouraged Elijah was by reminding him. That his mission was not over. His task was not over. He still had a work to carry out. Look at verses 13 through 16. And behold, there came a voice to Elijah and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel, forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Woe is me. Things are so bad. God didn't pat him on the head. God didn't say, I'm sorry. God didn't say, just hang in there. It's going to get better. No. And the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. God said, Elijah, you can't afford to sit around, be discouraged, have a pity party. You can't give up. You can't back out. I've still got a lot of things, Elijah, that I need you to do. There are kings to anoint. There is another prophet to anoint. And I'm counting on you to keep on going, Elijah, because my mission has not changed. My purposes have not changed, and that includes my purpose for your life, even when you're discouraged. Can I give you a word of advice this morning? When you're discouraged, when your circumstances have you in a place where you're just ready to quit, give up, back up, back out, Would you ask this question? God, what do you still have for me to do? God, how can I best serve you and your mission even when my world seems to be falling apart? Church, God's purposes haven't changed even in the midst of your discouragement. God's mission hasn't changed even when life seems to have dealt you its worst. I know of no verse that says it as well as Romans 9:17 does. Now, I understand these words were originally directed to the Egyptian Pharaoh of the Exodus. I understand that. But this is still a word for every one of us today. Romans 9:17, look at it. God speaking. I have raised you up for this very purpose that I might display my power in you. And that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. My friend, that is God's purpose for your life. That is God's mission for this church. And it does not change no matter what your circumstances might be. And if you will focus on that, if you will focus on the mission, then by God's word and with God's help, You can overcome discouragement because this helps get your eyes off of you and back on the Lord and His great purposes and His mission for you and for me. Discouragement comes, my friend, when I forget what God did yesterday because I am overwhelmed by my circumstances today. Discouragement comes when I stop believing in the faithfulness of God to provide for, empower, and direct my life in the tough times. Discouragement comes when I fail to sense God in the quietness because I'm looking for the miraculous. Discouragement comes when I forget that the mission is still The mission. Are you discouraged this morning? Listen, we all fight the battle with discouragement. We may have discouragement, but discouragement does not have to have us. We can find victory and overcome discouragement by God's Word and with God's help as we seek Him today. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we all know and understand the reality of discouragement. We've all been through it. Maybe some of us are fighting a battle with it today. It is one of Satan's most effective tools. It can completely debilitate us, destroy our usefulness. God, we don't want to be there. We don't want to live there. We want to live in victory. We want to live in joy. We want to experience the reality that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. So Lord, (laughs) take these truths and plant them in our hearts and in our lives that we might truly be a people on mission with you Is the prayer that we pray in the strong name of Jesus. Would you join me in standing? We're going to have a time of reflection, a time of invitation, time of commitment. Maybe you need to respond this morning at the point of the message. These altars are open. You want to come and just do business with God here. Maybe God's spoken into your life and said, here's the key to overcoming discouragement in your situation. Maybe you need the Lord. You don't know Him in a personal life-changing way. You need to receive Him as your Lord and Savior this morning. We'll take whatever time is necessary to help you understand what you need to do to enter into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, to have your sins forgiven, receive God's gift of eternal life, begin on this incredible journey of walking with the Lord Jesus day in and day out. Maybe you need to unite with this church family. God's leading you here to make a difference in this place with these people at this time. Or something else maybe I can pray with you with. Right now, we're going to give you that opportunity. You just come. If you need to share with me, if you need to come to this altar as we sing, take up that cross and follow me. You come as God speaks to you.